Bearcat Blitz, we are into another edition of the show right here, coming off of a, another tough loss for Cincinnati against Iowa State. I'm your All-Bearcats reporter, Russ Heltman, joined across the way by former UC wide receiver, 2005 to 2008 playing period, Dominic Goodman, UC football coming off a 30-10 to 10 loss, and we're here to Pick up the pieces for a fourth straight game as you're checking out Bearcat Blitz on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you're catching podcasts. Checking us out visually on Talking Cats with Russ Heltman or watching us on Valley Sports Ohio. We cannot thank you all enough for making us your choice for Bearcats audio and visual coverage following a just tough one. 30 to 10 loss. We'll dive right into it. I'll bring in Dominic here in just a moment after I tell you about Bet Online. We are presented by Bet Online as football is back. And Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to get your 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And Dom, I don't know if the Bearcats are aware, but the Iowa State game started. It started, they played 60 minutes, and they got just absolutely drubbed. There's no there's no glass half full here this week on this Monday, pick up the pieces. There's no Russ bringing in the luck stats. They got beat. They got beat up and down the field, and they got shown once again by an entrenched Big 12 team what it means to play football in this conference. Man, it was, it was, it was wild. We talked about how this is a must-win game coming after the bye, and it was just like – what happened? I felt like they had all the right pieces um, as far as going into it. Uh, well, the way we was talking to players, you know, it was all like they figured it out. They came together. Coaches had a talk. Players had a talk. Like it's one of them bye weeks that you come together after a, a back-to-back loss, and it was just like, what happened? I was more, I was more disappointed far as. Man, it was we had it was opportunities to be made. They was made, and that and that was what we harped about. You gotta capitalize on opportunities. Uh, for for instance, like passing game, we had open. Emory missed the wide open Wiggins, easy throw, pitch and catch. That First right, drive. Yeah. that was like the second or third throw of the game. Just and it was a third down too, instantly deflating the team. But yeah, sorry, I cut you off, Dom. Keep going. No, you're right. I mean, that's the opportunity to start. That's to change the whole minimum of the game. Who knows? We stop Iowa State, come back, score again. That's 14 nothing In your home, homecoming, crowd going nuts. And you know how the nip is when it's going nuts. So it was just blown opportunities. Passing game wasn't well. Didn't get over 100. Rushing game, 115. And two interceptions being thrown. Turnovers. Getting off the field, only th- three and 13 and third down efficiency. One and three and fourth down efficiency. Pump, it's pump, just bad across uh, the board. 
it was like Dom. I, I usually I do the final huddle for Royal Bearcats. I get my three kind of big takeaways, big themes of the game. And usually when UC loses, I'll do two negative, two positive slash negatives slash focusing on the opponent, what they did well, and one for UC. I mean, man, I didn't have anything really positively to say about this team on Saturday. The defensive line played solid to at, at certain points. Dante Corleone, Malik Van. Overall, they had their second most pressure total in terms of total QB pressures in a game this season. So you could say the defensive line did a decent job there, but it just it wasn't enough. Clearly, they only turned 14 of those those pressures, 14 pressures on the day and, and turned two of those in the sacks. That's just not good enough on the pressure to sack ratio. And you just let a redshirt freshman not necessarily dice you up, but Dom, 9.6 yards per attempt, man. It's a broken record every single week when we talk about this team being unable to stop the big play. They gave up another, I think, five or six explosive explosive pass plays in this game. You have a guy that I called out last week. I don't like calling players out. I don't like being negative on this show, but I thought it was justified in how Poorly, Jordan Young has lived up to his number one cornerback status, and he was the worst player on the defense yesterday. He graded out as the worst high snap player on the entire unit. I'll pull up his uh, his overall grade here in just a second, but he drops multiple interceptions in the red zone, Dom. That leads to eventual points by Iowa State. He gives up big multiple big plays in the passing game, which is non-existent there. And yeah, I was right. He had 61 snaps, a 52.1 overall grade, a 52.3 grade in coverage. The dude has fallen off by 22 grading points from his season in 2022, where he got his first taste at college football action in the SEC. And he just highlighted, Dom, a a secondary that once again got absolutely toasted. Jordan Young gave up six catches on nine targets for 161 yards, 26.8 yards per attempt, man, against your number one corner. Dom, as a receiver yourself, you're you're just licking your chops as the opposing offense, knowing that their best option and the defensive secondary can give up a quarter of the field per reception. It's just it, it's it's unsustainable and it's impossible to lay this really at the feet of anything but the secondary and their inability to win the rubber meets the road against the team that's terrible on early downs. It's not a very efficient offense to be able to get them off the field consistently. They couldn't do it and. It was just a head scratcher after head scratcher in a game where Iowa State's offense didn't really play well. They didn't play that well. They were just given short field after short field because of ineptitude either by the offense or the special teams. And then Rocco Becht and the receiving core cashed in. I mean, they only had 123 yards on the ground, 3.2 yards per attempt. It was entirely just an, an untimely blown coverage here, an untimely blown coverage there. And we haven't even talked about the offense yet, Dominic, which... Oh, that's just all I got to say about it right now. That's all I got to say before we get to that side of the football. Wrapping up the defense, though, Jordan Young in that secondary, there needs to be a come to Jesus moment. And this is in a game, Dom, where backup cornerback and second cornerback right now, Justin Harris, played well. He played pretty well, made some good plays in the run game. And ultimately, it was uh, not enough, as I believe he had his career high. He had a career high 70.7 grade, Justin Harris did was the fifth highest graded player on defense for UC. Outside of that, Dom, I noted this in my piece, five of the bottom seven qualified grades, meaning grades that from players that played at least 15 snaps on defense, five of the bottom seven were in the secondary. It's just it's nearly impossible to win in today's type of college football environment when your secondary is playing that bad across the board. 
especially in the Big 12, you know, they're going to come out every day, every week is going to be slinging it. It ain't no power football. It ain't no, we just going to run a trip. No, you know, they're coming out passing. You got to be able to stop the pass. And as far as young, man, that's tough. When you read off them stats, that's half the passing yards for Iowa State right there. And and I know that picking on them nine targets, man. They knew exactly who they wanted to go after, and they hit it sixty six percent of the time. We call that first fist on the line. You don't you don't want that go. You don't want to let that go. So you you know in the huddle they like, hey coach, it's third and third and five. Let's take it up top. I got them. Matchups. That's what the game's about in the past game. Matchups. And Iowa State ate on that matchup. So it's just. It's just mind blowing as far as like you said up front, they doing what they gotta do, putting pressure on the quarterback, trying to cause havoc, trying to cause turn, stop the run. And it's a collective group, you know. You gotta you gotta have the pass the DBs do what they gotta do in the pass game. Make make plays, make turnovers, and uh, and capitalize, man. It's, it was frustrating to watch and, and and it's just you just know they can do better. But you best believe it's gonna be some changes. After this, yeah, it just feels like at this point, it's kind of hard to envision this Brian Brown defense getting executed to the ceiling that he wants to execute it. Because when you're bringing that much pressure, when you're bringing that many bodies to the quarterback and leaving your back end exposed a lot of times in man coverage and they can't lock down in man coverage consistently, this is exactly what you get. You get pressure, but if it doesn't get there in one and a half to two and a half seconds, it doesn't matter if you get pressure because there's a guy streaking wide open down the field for explosive plays, as I mentioned. And then on the flip side, just no explosive plays from this offense. Emory Jones somehow gets a 68 uh, overall grade on PFF from this game. He was the number one graded player on offense. A quarterback who threw for 92 yards and completed just over half of his passes was the number one graded offensive player. That just shows you how bad this team was at everything besides 15 carries for 72 yards on the ground from Emory Jones. That was the only thing consistently working well, Dominic. It was, in my eyes, just a continuation of the inconsistency, the same kind of problems we've seen from Emory Jones. And at this point, I hate to say someone is who they are. I hate to say there's no real path to to to, to a higher ceiling here, but it's the sixth year, Dom. I mean, he's approaching 50 games played in, at the college level. Like, at some point, you are who you are. He's almost, he's barely two or three years younger than I am at this point. He's almost 23, 24 years old, like sixth year in college. It just, it doesn't seem like we're going to hit that maximization of Emory Jones's skill set, a skill set that maybe this is the max of it, Don, because multiple points in that game, and you could see the frustration on Scott Satterfield's face after the game when they schemed up an open receiver. Emory Jones didn't hit D Wiggins streaking down the sideline overthrew him by 10 yards. I mean, D Wiggins was wide open. He had Jamar chase seven 11 open all over him. Like it was, it was wide open and he misses that throw. Doesn't hit a key big time throw the rest of the game. In my eyes, there were a couple drops here and there. The receivers didn't get open. The receiving core takes some of this blame as well. Along with the offensive line, you don't score 10 points. You don't have that bad about passing game production across the board just because of the quarterback but all in all dom when the chips are down there's just been too many times this season when your number one player as you mentioned your number one athlete your number one guy on the offensive side of the ball has to make a play and emory jones has not been able to do it too many times he's no longer hitting the deep balls that he hit earlier in his career 
And if this guy isn't hitting deep passes, he's nowhere to be found throwing the ball. The intermediate and short passing game is not there. And I believe the entire passing game as a total, Dominic went six for 16 on passes of five plus yards targeting downfield, not just 15 plus yards through the air, six of 16 on targets halfway to the sticks. It's, it's just, it's a lack of explosive defense on one side and an inability to create explosive offense on the other. And you get a 30, 10 result in a fourth straight loss for the first time since 2017. Oh man. It's, it's, I was just disappointed just far as, like, I just know they can do better. I know, like you said, he's a six-year plan. And, and them the throws I expect you to miss high school. Because right. I see it all the time. You got kids wide open, but they don't hit them. But that's high school. But when you get to college, you're tuning your stuff. You're working on it every day. You're tuning your craft. And for your six years, it's like them throws you just got to make. It's got to happen. And that's frustrating as a offensive coordinator, as a coach, and as a fan, you know. And it's just – I felt like they tried everything to tailor to him for as, okay, we're going to use his legs. So we're going to use him in the pocket. We're going to use play action. We're going to use this quick game. We're going to use all these things. Each week we see him game planning for him to build around him, and it's still not successful. So that's, as a – you got to sit back and scratch your head. Like, what? what's the next move? Because yeah. now – you don't have a Ben Bryant to challenge him in a, a quarterback room. No, like Brady Lichtenberg. What we saw out of Brady Lichtenberg, that's not better than what we've seen out of Emory Jones so far. And Brady Lichtenberg in one drive amassed a sub-35 PFF grade. That I mean, you have to play pretty bad on each second of a snap to get a 35 or below PFF grade. And I never – like, it was shocking to me, Dom, that the freshman phenom Brady Drogosh is still third on the depth chart. He's still not ready to be that second string guy. And that's got to be more, I, I not that I'm trying, not that we've been very negative so far and I'm not trying to bring it negative, <laughs> negative as a whole, but I mean, I've been trying to bang the positive drum at points over the past few weeks, but there's nothing really left to bang at this point. And the fact that this staff still hasn't gotten Brady Drogosh ready to enough to come in for mop up duty in that scenario. It's almost like you and I were talking about, do you bench Emory and go play for the future? Is there a future to play for if the guy isn't ready to be the second stringer? And it's still sitting at third string and down 20 points. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a troubling scenario for Bearcats fans, Dom, because it doesn't feel like even if you lose this coming week to Baylor, you fall to two and five and the season is basically a wrap needing to go four and one down the stretch. Is Drogosh even ready to take on three or four of those games and still maintain his red shirt ability? Who knows? And I also think like, well, what does it hurt? Bring Prater back to the quarterback room and split time at practice with him and see what you can't can... get worse, man. It it can't get like 92 passing yards. That's what we saw in a couple of games with Evan Prater last year. Like it's and it's just like where you go. Like, is Evan Prater <laughs> gonna be able to give you more than Jones passing? It's it is dire times, dire times right now for Bearcats football at two and four for the first time, four losses this early in the season for the first time since 2017. We got to take a quick break here on Bearcat Blitz. We'll tie up all the loose ends on this one, get to some performances that were decent in this game and get to uh, some more looking forward the rest of the week type of type of business as Bearcat Blitz rolls along coming off a 30 to 10 loss you see is to Iowa State. Be back after this.
Bearcat Blitz continues. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined by my co-host, Dominic Goodman, former UC wide receiver. Dominic could use your skill set right now, man, because uh, those wide receivers, we just got done shredding Emory Jones, I think justifiably, but the offensive line played really bad too. Luke Kandra continued to be the only solid, stable, consistent piece on this offensive line week to week. He was the top graded player, but still, I mean, he wasn't very good. 61.9 overall grade. That was fourth on the entire offense by PFF. And nobody else starting wise had a better than 56 overall grade on the offensive line. I mean, and DeAndre Buford, he has been an abject disaster as a transfer from Kentucky, has not played any better this year than he played at Kentucky last year. He was rough yesterday, 54.6 overall grade, 49.1 run blocking. Like Philip Wilder, a couple snaps, he was bad. It's just, it's rough on this offense right now. One guy though, Dom, as we get to a positive here, that did play decently well i would say was shimon mater didn't grade out super well in terms of his his receiving route snap to snap but ended up scoring a touchdown once again third touchdown of the year was a nice little seam route in the red zone or just outside the red zone i don't even know if we can call that a red zone touchdown because they were like right on the 20.2 yard line or something just there outside the 20 but that was the best play of the day for the bearcats i would say he was their best player and dom it, it seems like barrick falk maybe getting a little bit more look here in this offense, but Peyton Singletary once again shows his, his issues in the blocking game, pass blocking wise. He gets a brutal block in the back call to nullify a big gain on a late down. Uh, I believe in the second or third quarter, the tight end room is, is, is floundering right now. And Shaman Mater is kind of the only thing standing out out of that group. Yeah. There's a, what the, his, what the having with two great tight ends from last season and, and trying to stay with that kind of personnel, it helps a lot. It helps a lot in the pass game and the run games. This guy's a lot of schemes and a lot of situations. And not having that other tight end that far it's gonna block well in pass game and run game, it, it, it can it's detrimental to the to the offense and what you're trying to scheme up. So um, you know, Matera doing his thing is he growing as a player like he should be, and like he talked about before, just focusing it on doing what he's doing his job basically what what it is and he's doing his job and getting better each week you see the flashes um it just it just hurt because you don't got that another tight end because when you got a receivers doing what they supposed to do it helps to bring another tight end to play that receiver role you know but right um you know it's just just gotta grow you know just gotta grow that's all you can do from there and then on the flip side defensively as we mentioned front seven played okay like like Unless if the front seven plays okay to good and everybody else plays bad, you're going to get a, a, a 20 point loss in terms of they got to play elite at that point to really start to affect the game and, and will the game their way. But Dorian Jones leads the team in PFF grade. He was very solid across 37 snaps, 83.2 grade. I think that might be a career high for him. I thought t- uh, Daniel Greshik was very good in this game. Uh, one sack, had two pressures, had another quarterback hurry. He played solid, ended up with a 68.6 grade. And then Dante Corleone was uh was fantastic once again four tackles uh had a couple pressures as well on the interior of that defensive line he was very solid in this game but just obviously not enough to make this even a respectable matchup and and before we kind of close up shop on this game and get to the Baylor uh one point betting line Cincinnati somehow still favored to take out this Baylor Bears team which the athletic has Cincinnati ranked Dominic now 96 nationally in the entire country and the Bears sitting at 90 nationally. So a real 
real barn burner, real real heavyweight matchup coming up this weekend in the Big 12 as uh, Cincinnati welcomes in Baylor. But, Dom, I believe it was five or six drives and three of them. It was either two or three, but at least five to six drives started at the UC 35 or further up for Iowa State. Five of six drives. Like, how in college football can anyone expect their defense to adequately stop an opposing offense that's decent to good or decent, not even decent to good, decent to bad. If you give them that great a field position, drive in and drive out. The punt game was not particularly strong in this game. And the special teams coverage wise, man, I wouldn't even really put it on Mason Fletcher. I'd put it more so on the kickoff return team. They gave up two 50 plus yard returns on kickoffs to Jalen Noel. Like, you're not only shooting yourself in the foot on offense with penalties, untimely penalties, and on defense penalties, untimely penalties. You're shooting yourself in the foot on special teams, and that's when it just becomes a, a, a podcast like we're talking about here, where in all three phases of the game, it's just a time is a flat circle continuation, and you can't get off the uh, can't get off the merry-go-round of madness. Yeah, I mean, well, all that you just. You just gotta get better. I mean, it's not you can say much as as, as a whole. You just gotta get better. That's all what it comes down to. Because all phases of the game, at least it's, at least you get one phase of the game you win it at, and something you can be positive about, and you can just build off of that. But all phases, you just gotta you gotta build, man. You just gotta get better. That's all I can say, man. Moving into a look at this week as we continue here on Bearcat Blitz. I'm your host, Russ Hellman. He is Dominic Goodman. Thank you all for sticking with us through uh, through the toughest time this decade to be a Bearcats football fan, no doubt. Toughest time in six years. It's feeling like 2007 when they lost. Uh, I think that's the last time they had a streak this long. Yeah, for sure. 2007, not 2007, 2017. Dom, you guys, I'm sorry, you guys didn't lose five games in a row like this until this head. But uh, <laughs> I, was so, I was trying to call you out wrongly there. But uh, 2017, <laughs> they had a five-game losing streak in Luke Fickle's first year. And obviously, that's a first year where, like so many first years, and this first year as well, you're going through a, a change in staff overhaul, a change in roster overhaul, and for Scott Satterfield, a complete jump up in competition. So two and four. This is not where I expected the Bearcats to be through six games. I thought they would be three and three overall and, and and firmly in a chance to give themselves some breathing room to make a bowl. But that's not what has happened so far as we approach Baylor coming up. One point favorites Cincinnati is over the Baylor Bears. They are now favored, Dom, in four of the remaining six games. I believe they're only underdogs at Oklahoma State and home against Kansas on Football Power Index. Now, I don't know how much weight I'm going to be putting in the football power index anymore because they haven't been very accurate on this Bearcats team so far, but they the computers still believe in UC to have a decent chance to make a bowl game, but it ultimately has to happen this week. You have to beat this Blake Shapin-led Baylor team, a 2-4 and four Bears team. They're neck and neck with the Bearcats in terms of what they do well and what they don't do well, hence the one-point spread there on the betting line. But, Dom, it, it, it seems like, like you mentioned, Last week felt like a must win. This week is a definite must win. The season is over. Stick a fork in it if they drop this game to the Baylor Bears. And I believe they have to go to uh, – I believe they have to go to Oklahoma State or to Houston next. But getting beat by Baylor at home and then you make your first ever trip to T-Boone Pickett Stadium next week, 
I, good luck. Good luck getting any any wins out of that scenario. And that brings me to this final point here before we close up shop on, on Bearcat Blitz. How much of a leash does Emory Jones have? How much of a leash does he have? Because, Dom, it feels like, unfortunately for the scenario UC is in, he has a longer leash from what we've talked about earlier in the episode because we all know what Brady Lichtenberg is. He's a three-star recruit coming out of St. John's High School in, uh, in, in a couple of years ago, has not really elevated his game to even, I would say, compete for a starting job, let alone be thrust into a starting role for the rest of the year. And then your number one recruit last year, one of your top recruits last year, who stuck through the transition and stuck through the change to Scott Satterfield, Brady Drogosh, is still your third-string quarterback. Maybe that switches this week. Maybe the depth chart gets updated a little bit, and Brady gets a pathway to maybe start seeing some playing time. But I think Jones has the same amount of leash in terms of his starting reps this week as he did going into last week because there's not really a good option behind him, Dom, unfortunately for Bearcats fans. Oh, I mean, I feel like his leash is there to if you can make a bowl game. If you can't make a bowl game feel after that, they're going to start developing the next guy, you know, um, whoever it is. Because you just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard. You know, you see, it's just, it's just time after time. You see, you see it. You, you see, like, you see, you see what they can do. You can see, Enrique, you could be that guy, but it's just, it's devastating. Not it is what it is. His leash is short until I feel like once they realize they can't make it to a bowl game or in a situation they're not going to make it to a bowl game, I think that's when it's going to be, all right, it's time to start developing young guys and let's get ready for next year. Going to be very interesting, maybe for a couple more weeks and then it's just, it's tough. It's tough to stay relevant in this league, especially if you fall to two and five, two and six, and you're just kind of playing out the string there. Cincinnati taking on the Baylor Bears this weekend. We'll be covered with a full preview on Thursday as they try to get to six wins. ESPN's Football Power Index giving them a 41% chance to get to that bowl eligibility for the rest of the season. And it largely hinges on this game. I would be shocked if that percentage is above 15 to 10% if they lose to Baylor on Saturday. For Dominic Goodman, I'm Russ Heltman. This has been Bearcat Blitz. Thank you all so much for checking us out on your Monday or whatever part of the week you're listening to this show. We'll be back at it to preview Baylor and may have a special guest as well for the second show of the week. You've been listening to Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network presented by Bet Online. Shot towards the end zone under the Packers. Touchdown! Trey Tucker to the end zone. It goes. Caught! Touchdown!